This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Voyage to the Stars is a cool sci-fi audio with an all-star cast featuring Felicia Day and Kirsten Vangs Ness, who are encouraged to improvise from the script. Adapted from the IDW comic series, it's about a group of explorers that travel to various planets, causing havoc wherever they go. Ryan Koppel, the series producer, spoke to me, and we also looked back at the groundbreaking online video series, Reese the Series. How did this idea kind of come about? Well, you know, I've been a huge fan of podcasts for a while, especially like improv stuff. I've listened to a lot of improv comedians and Hello from Magic Tavern, Mission to Zix, and quite a few others kind of in that tone. And, you know, I've been wanting to do something in the podcast space myself just because I think there's some, there's a lot of, to me, it's kind of like the new Wild West of what digital was. And now it's become <laughs> a podcast. The oh, yeah. Wild West is, you can do whatever you want, uh, which is really fun. And so, you know, wanted to do something in that space. And, you know, I remember just having a conversation with a friend about Star Trek and we were kind of just joking about captain's logs and like, like, like who listens to these logs anyway, like when they're doing these logs. And it kind of just sparked the idea of like, you know, what if you did a space adventure that was really told through the crew's point of view in these logs that they were doing. And so that was sort of the inception of the idea of like, oh, that's a really interesting way that leans into the, leans into the format of narrative or sorry, of audio while being able to really provide a narrative. Um, And it really grew from there. It was like, oh, there's so much more fun stuff we can do with that because then we can move around time. It doesn't have to feel like a radio play. It still has like the intimacy, you know, you get from a podcast because they are basically podcasting in a way, Um, just kind of a different version of it. And so then we started to figure out, you know, from there, it's like, I was like, okay, you know, there's so many video games and anime and TV shows that I love that play in this space. So it's like, how can we do kind of a lost in space, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, sort of absurdist style of humor with, mm-hmm. with this sort of like overarching story and mystery that can play out across the episodes. And so when I had that idea kind of congealed, that's when I went out to, you know, Felicia, who I've obviously worked with quite a bit. Um, yeah, from the Sundry Days, um, and Janet Varney, who is also a good friend I've worked with, Steve Berg and Colton Dunn, and just kind of put this team together, and we're like, let's 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 make this thing. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. And uh, how many episodes do you have planned? So right now we've we finished production. Um, we ended up partnering with this great company called Madison Wells Media who has this really like cool division called the universe division, which is basically meant to be like, Hey, what's an nice, like, what can you do that starts as one sort of IP or piece of a puzzle? And then how can you keep building on it to really give fans a really cool experience? And so with them, we've, mm-hmm. we've already recorded 17 episodes. Um, you can find them nice. online, wherever you get your podcast or just on Apple. Um, this is really fun. And we're actually now in the process of trying to figure out, hey, what's the, you know, now that we've started the run, it's gotten a really great response. We're trying to figure out what are the next steps for, for us. Is it more podcast episodes? Is it, you know, maybe looking at like a comic book? You know, for us, we really, we really want to make sure that there's a really strong visual sense of this world because it is mm-hmm. audio. We, we, we did like a lot of character design. This is all available on our website. And just really trying to make sure that there's a, a style and texture to the world so that when people listen you know, they can kind of put a face to the name or voice, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, this is really the first step. I mean, it could be 
animation? Uh, could it even be live action down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're open to to really all possibilities for it. You know, we just we really, yeah. really wanted to get people excited by you know the characters and the the world and the tone of the comedy. Yeah, absolutely. It, the best thing about doing it as a podcast is that you can get the rhythms down with the actors, kind of get to know the actors in their parts and mm-hmm. and write to that. So you don't have that development process. If you do go to an animation or live action, you can just hit the ground running, which is a, a great way of doing it via podcasting. And the audio drama on podcasts right now is really hot. Yeah. Oh, it's, it was super fun. I mean, especially because our series is a little bit different than a lot of other sci-fi stuff. You know, obviously there are people who do sci-fi and improv combined, you know, but with ours, it's, it's fun because, you know, we give them a pretty good framework of, you know, who their characters are, you know, what the story is in that episode, but then all the dialogue, you know, it's obviously all improvised by the actors, you know, any, any details of the world that they make up just, you know, that's now, that's just now the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we, we, we've got like dolphin that, wars cool. that happened. We've got, you know, the Midwest <laughs> is now uh, apparently in the, in, in the future of wasteland called the Badlands. Just things like that that just get invented. And you're like, okay, well, I guess that's part of the canon. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Uh, but doing it as a podcast, it's a different kind of production. Is it pretty lengthy per episode? Because probably you have to add a lot of elements besides the actors' voices, too. Um, you know, it's not too bad, actually, which is um, we've, we're distributing it with Earwolf and their recording team. Brett, Brian, and Devin have been really amazing about, you know, really bringing the texture of the world to life. So it's kind of how it runs is we'll do, you know, it's about an hour to an hour and a half of recording per episode, even though the episodes are about 30 minutes. Yeah. Because we cut down a lot. Obviously, when you do improv, there's a lot of kind of figuring it out on, on, on the fly. So there's some stuff that just hits the cutting room floor that doesn't get used. Um, and then we really do kind of like, you know, like a proper transcript story edit and then pass it to the sound team that really just brings it to life with, with audio. So it, it doesn't feel like, you know, you're just letting people talk. You're actually in a world. That's great. So I guess there's some music involved too. Yep. Yeah, definitely cool. music. Yeah. That's amazing. What, uh, what, what people are doing with audio drama. And of course you also factor in people's imaginations and, uh, you can do things in audio you can't do in film because there are budget constraints, but not as far as what you can imagine. Exactly. And, and I mean, I, I, in, in episode two, we have this moment where, you know, they go to this alien planet and there's this species that's just very much lives like hedonistically in excess. And one of their favorite pastimes is blowing at buildings because they just can. <laughs> and we certainly even put that in there because we're like, oh, how funny is it to imagine this society where it's just for fun, they blow up their entire city, kind of like Doozer style and rebuild it. Um, and so yeah. like, that's just a fun thing that, you know, obviously, if you're doing a series, that would be very, very expensive and costly to, <laughs> to show and illustrate. With audio, it's like, great, just the sound effects of something exploding, rumble falling, and there you go. You 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 yeah. the building now. Do, does the cast record together, or do you get them separately? Uh, all together, just given the oh, you know, improv good. nature of it, and then just their schedules, especially like we do a lot of block recording, so we'll get people in for a day. You know, have our guest stars come in for a few hours, and really just run each episode from beginning to end. So yeah, and that way everyone's contributing to it to the story, but also everyone knows what's happening in the story, so there's no gaps of like, 
oh, well, this thing actually happened earlier that you weren't here for. So here's a little refresher on what's happened so far. They're all part of the evolving story. Yeah. yeah and you have some good, you have Tom Blank also from, uh, from the Buffy verse coming into it and doing voices, uh, Chris Williams, mm-hmm. Deb Baker, Eric Edelstein, Amir Talib, and Cole Stratton. There's some yep. talented people that are coming on board. We had really fun guest stars. I mean, that was kind of the, the most rewarding thing to see because, you know, A, it's a kind of a different format for improv. Um, so a lot of times coming in, you know, they, they kind of knew what they were signing up for, but I don't think they really knew until they showed up and they're like, oh, okay, this is what this thing is. Um, and so I think, you know, it was fun watching them kind of jump in, bring the character to life themselves and realizing that they can kind of invent along with the others was really special. And I was really just impressed in general with how much they could just kind of like dig into a story world they knew nothing about and just talk about it like, oh yeah, this is definitely, this is definitely the world. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. One of the things that's appealing to me is that these characters are really kind of a, a, a mix, kind of oddballs. It's not like you know, the, the, the crack Starfleet crew, it's a janitor. Uh, I mean, a science officer makes sense, but an insurance salesman, uh, you know, th- that kind of makes for a lot of possibilities and fun. And there's also, um, I guess, a computer of sorts. Yep. Yeah. We, we An AI, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Janet plays the AI that they accidentally named Sorry when they turned it on by accident. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great yeah i like the design of the ship too that's pretty cool no, it's it kind of really a streamlined look to it yeah we yeah we were trying to figure out like you know what's what's something that feels you know like it could be a spaceship but also is so distinctly non-human that it it just feels very alien um and that was one of the designs we came up with but going through all the characters mm-hmm. i was really fun because it was just a really fun iterative process of figuring out, you know, figuring out the characters, figuring out expressions based on kind of how the actors brought them to life. Just a really like involved process that made it feel very, you know, like we definitely had a, like a definitely helped mold the look of those characters so much around how, how the actors choose to, chose to bring them to life. Hmm. Now there's a wormhole involved. Um, I, did you have to come up with the sound for the wormhole? We did. Um, that was that was definitely <laughs> the sound team at, at Earwolf who I, I think remarkably came up with some really great ideas. I, I, I sent over a few references, but I was like, yeah, just make it sound like it's sort of overwhelming your audio a little bit. It has like a thrum sort of warble to it. Just yeah. to feel like kind of otherworldly. But yeah, but I think in general, all the sound design that I've heard so far has just been so fun and just totally fits the world that these guys are playing in. That sounds great. Um, I would say, and then with the crew itself, I mean, I, I know you kind of touched on like the, the, you know, the oddballness and, and we really wanted to sort of, yeah. part of the comedy to play with is like, okay, well, what if you took Kavili who were completely unqualified, put them on an alien spaceship and sent them, to, sent them to the other side of the universe to try and find their way home and basically every civilization, every alien planet or every ship they encounter, they're probably going to leave it worse for wear than when they found it. And that kind of became the tenet of, it's it's always well intentioned. Um, you know, none of our characters are bad guys. None of them have. You know, it's just a lot of bumbling. And and even with Elsa, who's the lead science officer, you know, it sounds like she's like, oh yeah, that's someone you expect to see on a crew. But really, you kind of get the sense as you hear her in her first episode. Oh, she's really just a rich, privileged, you know, woman who hasn't really ever completed a degree, but 
basically just got this position because her dad built the built the space station. So even that is sort of like, okay, well, she's not really qualified to be the lead science officer. It's just sort of a title bestowed. <laughs> <laughs> Sci-Fi Talk returns in a moment. The first time we connected was, of course, for Reese. How do you look mm-hmm. back on Reese? These, you know, after I mean, it was really kind of a pioneering thing. And ironically, I just spoke to uh, Patrick Gilmore, uh, you know, late last year too, and we talked about it. <laughs> um, nice, I love Patrick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's so much fun to look back on it and just remember that, like, you know, it feels like an era ago, but it really was only like not even ten years ago or almost ten years. But yeah. it's so fun to look back on it and just say, like, oh, you know, we were really one of the first people to try to really elevate and bring something more premium to digital. Um, and I think you look at the landscape now where people have, you know, taken both YouTube but also digital content in general, and you, it's, it's amazing. You know, you see what people have accomplished. You know, I feel like those initial series like the Guild, you know, the Bantam Way, other things from yeah. that kind of early digital era, I do think they really help pioneer and show that like people are going to start watching content here. Like they, they're, they're thrive, They're desiring this. And I think that the fun with podcasting is I think there's an equal opportunity. You know, I think it's, it's kind of like transforming radio. I think that's what podcasted initially. And I think oh, absolutely. more yeah. so, yeah. And I think even more so now people are starting to realize like, Oh wait, there's actually really amazing story experiences I can get. It's, it's, it's almost like a throwback to the, you know, the old radio dramas that we, like you mentioned from way back when that like brands would sponsor. Yeah. As me telling stories. And I think, I think it's even more readily available now, you know, because we don't need a rate. You, you don't, you don't need a radio when you have your phone. So just as much as you watch That's right. video or check your email, you know, that podcast app or, or wherever you get your podcast, or just, it's just right there and there's no reason you can't just like on a commute or and you're in a coffee shop something just tune into something that you can listen to instead of having to you know dedicate all your vision and attention to you know part of me is like gee if if only reese could have streamed on people's phones what uh, if it was around today uh what would have happened to it but that's the thing about being pioneering you're you tend to be ahead of the technology so <laughs> that's the that's the problem but uh yeah you guys were uh it was it was really uh it was really pioneering is really the best word for it and it was uh, a, a great cast and i've seen them all move on to different things and uh and I mean, you made it all the way to sci-fi.com and had Amanda Tapping involved too. So not yeah, bad, was, not bad at all. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I still look back as, you know, something to point to is like, here's an example of how just committing to doing yourself and keeping, you know, trying your best to keep a quality bar at a certain level can really just help content kind of get to the surface. And, you know, obviously the cast that we had, definitely help oh, yeah. i still think on the day yeah. it really was just mm-hmm. like you know it was like, like like you said people weren't really doing that back then and i think that really helped it make a splash and i think i think with voyage we have an opportunity for something really similar just because of the fact that you know like i said there's obviously other sci-fi podcasts out there um there's, and there's even sci-fi improv ones um like improvised star trek <laughs> i think i think that's right what, what we're trying to achieve with this one that's different than what everyone else is doing or hopefully a little bit different is really trying to you know really build a whole comprehensive story world that then once you once you dig in 
we're going to try to plan all these different ways that you can engage with it. So yes, the podcast will always be there, but now that we have this entire world we've created, how else can you, you know, kind of participate in it? We, we do need quality podcasts. There are a lot of podcasts where, you know, the, that's the thing about being accessible. Some of the quality is just not there. Uh, but, uh, but production values, a great cast, actors that have great comic timing, it helps elevate the medium a little bit. So anytime mm-hmm. that happens, I say, here, here, because they'll get people searching to listen to other stuff. And, yeah. you know, like they say, the tide washes all the boats in, you know, so <laughs> that's what, uh, that's what I'm, that's what is, you know, would be great with this. So uh, wish you the best with this. This is, sounds like a really fun idea. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. And, you know, kind of what I always tell people is that, you know, it's, it definitely has a much kind of larger world planned. Um, you know, I know that obviously kind of the premise is these guys get stuck in an alien spaceship, wrong side of space, they're trying to get home. But, it, the, you know, the only hint I can give you is that there's a lot more to it than that. You know, it's not going to just be lost in space over and over where they have these kind of like little misadventures. It really does. Right. You know, this is really act one, this first season that leads into something much bigger, much grander that they all have to step up to as, as characters. So you actually have like a, a, like a real big arc plan for this. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that, that that was the goal is, you know, we wanted to we wanted to create an epic. We didn't want it to just be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, a sci fi sitcom in space or with improv, it's, it really was like, okay, let's let's take the let's take the improv so we can really give you know each character's unique voice. Let's use the setting, but then let's really plan like what is what is that epic story that we're going to tell. One of the cast members I spoke to about Voyage to the Stars is Kirsten Vangsness, who tells me about her character and also the challenge of doing improv audio. You know, I have to tell you, they really have created a character with a lot, a lot to her, a lot of layers to her. Describe Nico to us a little bit. <laughs> um, so Nico, <laughs> um, if you're if you're familiar with Voyage to the Stars already, it, yeah. they're just this is their second season. So Voyage to the Stars is um, an improvised, you know, sci-fi podcast. So Nico is, is uh, she is the only member of the group who is a, a full 100% non-human. Um, right. And uh, she is um, part of the, I always get this part wrong. I almost want to look it up because, you know, there's, we, what we get, we don't get um, scripts. We get like breakdowns of our, of kind of what's going to happen Um but she is a, a fulgen, I, I believe yes. is the name of her species. So That's she's right. a um, uh, she's a fox-like creature is basically what she is, and she is from this planet. And she has um, the the rest of the crew finds a Nico on um, a planet they're trying to escape from. She has her own mech. She is a very talented uh, yet sort of empathic warrior. I, I tend to get cast in sort of empathic. Uh, uh, people um and uh and also she's been kicked off of her planet because um she is gay so uh if she had to leave her her planet and uh is negotiating through the galaxy um trying to you know sort of find herself and fight off bad guys and 
and she um, ends up joining the the group. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I like about her is because of that, you know, because, you know, she likes someone of her own gender. And it, what's also relatable is that she is the run to the litter. And, yeah. you know, we, we can relate to that, too, a little bit. So, too, even though she's an alien, she has very human things that we can uh, we can jump on board with. Absolutely. And I think I what I like so much about her when I talked to Ryan originally I said, can you give me, because he kept describing her as like um, the pictures that they showed me originally of, of um, what they were prototyping her on. She was little. And I said, it, she was like a little creature because she was the runt of the litter. So she had a little creature. So I said, you know, I get it. You want to make her small, like you want to make her short in stature. But could you make her like, like, a, I want I want her, you know, because the other girls are, they're they're gorgeous and glorious and all that. But I was like, just for diversity of size, can we make her a more substantial creature? So he was like, fine. But I always knew when we were recording it, we never saw drawings. So I always knew she was the runt of the litter and she was little. So there's moments and, you know, there's so much stuff we record. And yeah. we're only on uh, season two, right? Episode two of season two right now. So I don't know what, you know, they what's going to be on the thing. But there's so many times that, me as Nico, knowing that I am the runt of the litter, say something like, hold on, I can get in there because I'm tiny. What's funny is when they actually made the drawing, if you look at a picture of all of us, she's, uh, she's quite statuesque. And, you know, just her tail yeah. alone is she's a big <laughs> yeah. girl. So um, what I love it. I love it so much. But it's, it's, uh, it's funny because it's that, it does two things. The number one plays on that idea of, you know, what that's like to be like the runt of the litter. And she genuinely does consider herself um, too small. And I think it also, it also uh, speaks to uh, the the diversity of, you know, women, especially, but all people come in so many different um, body sizes. And not only that, uh, females come in so many different uh, healthy, strong body sizes and women are so many body sizes throughout their lives for a variety of reasons, whether it be babies or stress or just, you know, falling in love with or falling out of love with a particular food or whatever. I think I I like that about her very much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and because uh, she's an outcast, she cut, do you think she kind of, uh, you know, from the description that she kind of has a little bit of trouble letting her guard down a little bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. She's, she's very defensive and it's hard to open up and, it's hard to, but she also doesn't really have a filter. You know, she's pretty honest uh-huh. and she's kind of ferocious and fighty. She's got a lot of fight to her, but she's not, yeah. um, she's not really like violent. She's very earnest. I think she's trying to like get the, it's, it's, it, it, she's trying to get the ropes because she's around all these, these new people who do new things that are completely different than her, um, her planet. So she's trying to figure out how to um, assimilate to the situation, but also there are people uh, on like the, um, the, uh, the, the captain, she, they don't, they, they clash because they're both two super powerful, used to being in yeah. charge, you know, kind of people. So it, it is a little uh, difficult. They keep getting in, you know, precarious situations that, um, that uh, she doesn't always understand why they're mm-hmm. doing things the way they do them. Yeah, her description says, and I kind of like this quality, actually, uh, but it's like, punch first, ask questions later. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and as, and as, 
as we went along, though, I, I do think that when you get when you're when you're given an improvised script, and then someone makes a description of that character, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go, that's that's what she is. And then you get me to do it, and I'm improvising, and I'm endowing that character what with uh, whatever I think. I'm going to be the person who I would say that they were probably going to have to revise that because in the episodes right now that I'm thinking of that we've done, she is definitely like, she's more like punch and ask questions at the same time. Oh, that's good. That's good. I think she enjoys a good fight. She's very strong and can fight really good, but she's also, um, I think she, she wants, she wants to bring about peace with her fist, but she wants Mm -hmm. it. Now, now, as far as recording, do you record with everyone else or is they kind of catch you when you, Oh, you do. Oh, we all sit in the same room and we record. Yeah. That was one of the things about when they did Batman, the animated series, the actors were talking Mm -hmm. about how they would, they could see each other's body language and play off each other. That's got to be a gift whenever you can do that. Oh yeah. And, and it's not only is it a gift performance wise, but it's just, I mean, every single one of them, I'm, I am so happy that I, got asked to do this because it's just a room of incredibly talented people. I mean, and each one of them are so gifted in their own way with their own specific sort of comedy specialties, if you will. Um, So just to be sitting in a room with Janet and Steve and Colton and Felicia, like is, is just an honor. And you kind of, it keeps you very much on your toes and you really have, and then we get all these amazing guest stars. I mean, Gosh, Aaron Hayden yeah. and like Angela Kinsey and Oscar Nunez, like all these people that have come in, Paul Tompkins, and that are just so talented and such deft improvisers that you're sitting there and you're trying to like support and also you're as you're you're also being a spectator because there always is this moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're all just so good. You know what I mean? That you almost want to like back away like it's this um constant game you're playing with yourself of like participate and play and get involved but then also like stay out of the way when something really magical is happening and it's tricky because you'll look on the you know on the the description of the scene like these are the given things that have to happen in the scene right but sometimes something cool is going on like oh do i interrupt that you know when do you go when do you go it's a it's a it's a constant dance and (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I don't always do it. Sometimes I go in too late. Sometimes I go in too early. And then it's a constant, that's the thing about improvising that's so interesting is that like, as you're performing, you have to constantly sort of like forgive yourself. You have to be vulnerable enough to take a risk. And then you have to forgive yourself very quickly and get over it and keep trying if you fail. Yeah. And there's no one there really laughing. We all laugh at each other. Like there's times where we're like, you got to look away for a second because it's real funny. Um, <laughs> but you're not really supposed to break. So you're like engaged. It's really, I mean, we're, we're sitting in that room and like hours fly by and you're like not even aware of it because you're just trying. You're so hyper-focused trying to, you know, achieve the objective. No, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a great group of people. Another thing that I like about it is because, and I know Ryan has plans to go beyond just a podcast, but mm-hmm. for right now it is a podcast and I'm a big fan of theater, of the imagination too. So yeah. you can do so much. And, you know, for, as an actor, you're using something that you use, whether you're on camera or doing animation or podcast, your voice, your, that's, that's your instrument. Right. 
Uh, yeah. So what's that like to kind of put everything you have into your voice? It's fun. It's new for it's. It's not new for me. It's actually it's actually the first form of the the first thing I ever got paid to do performance wise. And this is absolutely mm-hmm. true is uh, I used to be a uh, school teacher. I used to be a long-term substitute teacher. And my the sixth grade class had this book called Maru of the Winter Caves. And <laughs> I had to, I, I got paid like $3.75 an hour when I was in my 20s and I had no money. So I was like totally willing to do it. Um, my mom was like, I need to have this recorded. And I recorded this book, this chapter book, you know, for the sixth grade social studies class. And they used that book for years, like, because I really wow. put my heart and soul into that, into that reading. Uh, I think it was on cassette tapes. I'm always, uh, and I do a lot of stuff with them, um, Selected Shorts, um, yeah. which is a podcast. Uh, so I, I, I've been lucky enough to read um, some of Neil Gaiman's um, short stories mm-hmm. that he asked oh, me to read, wow. which was really um, special and a bunch of other things I've gotten to do for them. Uh, so I love that. I love being able to, to use, um, just, just to use my voice. When I audition for things for voiceover stuff, it's always, um, I always feel very insecure about it, but, and I don't totally know why. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's its own, that's its own conversation, but I know that when (laughs) I'm doing this, it's really fun. And I'm a theater girl. That's where I started um, doing stuff. And that's where I, I sort of get a lot of my training from. And you do have to kind of use so much of your imagination sometimes because, you know, you're restricted by budgetary things or you're just in like a black box with 30 seats and you make it into whatever you're going to make it. So this is actually for me, um, the, the grand experiment for me has been like, oh, you can literally be anywhere because you're just using your voice. You can literally say anything, you can do anything, you can, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning about it. It's, it's super neat. Look for Voyage to the Stars wherever you get your podcast. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.